And um, maybe I could have the ushers come and pass out this. They're going to hand out a little card. Hold on to it for a little bit later in the service. And while, we're, while they're doing that, I'll, I, I'll read today's proverb, verse uh, 11 out of chapter 22. One who loves a pure heart and who speaks with grace will have the king for a friend. Great, pro- good, good to visit Proverbs. You know, I think there are always a couple of polar attitude differences that you can pick in any circumstance. You know, you could be in a circumstance and, and you might have two different approaches. You're in a meeting and you're thinking, you know, I, I don't want to be in this stupid meeting because I always say the wrong things. I always do something to embarrass myself. Or you're in the same meeting and you say to yourself, you know, I used to stay away from these things, but but I, I, I like them now because it seems like God gives me the right words at the right moment. Two different perspectives, same, same environment. Or you're in a conversation at work or at school or someplace and you're talking about somebody, which is a whole different topic we'll get to another time. But you're talking about someone and, and the person with you says, you know, they're, I, I, I think he's just an arrogant jerk. I just, just, you know, so full of himself and impossible to be around. And your response, maybe instead of saying that is, well, you know, I think I need to get, get to know him myself and form my own opinions because he could be a really nice guy. Maybe you caught him on an off day. Or somebody comes to you and says, you know, help this person with something. Teach them something. And you're thinking, me? How am I going to ever help that person? I could barely get the job done myself. Or you can say, you know what? I remember when I was new and somebody helped me. It made a big difference. Count me in. I'll be there for you. Success in life, I think, many times has to do with little things because our words, the words we say, the words we think matter. They matter so much. Little things, big difference. And I want to thank all of you for being here today. Some of you are are first-timers, and welcome to Crossroads Church. Um, If this is a different experience for church than you're used to, I just want you to know that we love the Word of God, we believe the Word of God here, and we love to worship. And that's why we sing the songs. The words in the songs are typically taken somewhere from Scripture. So we're singing the truth about God. And and thanks for coming to celebrate the goodness of God and to uh, worship together and to hear God's words together. Today we're in part three of a series I'm calling Little Things, Big Difference. And uh, today um, I want to share with something with you that I really down deep believe that if you apply what the Lord speaks to you today, if you take what the Lord's speaking to you today and apply it later in your life, it will change the course of your life. Pretty profound, but I really believe that, that when you do certain small changes in your life that the Lord will speak to you today, it will create huge differences down, downstream. In fact, that's the key thought for our series. And um, I think a lot of people, we look around and we see people that have things that we don't have. Or they have accomplished things that we have never attained to in our life. And we think, you know, I want to be like that. I want to do that. I want to have that. I wonder what those big things are that they did. I mean, because what are the big things I've got to do to be like that? And it's not always the big things. But it's often the small things that no one sees that result in the big things that everyone wants. It's a really, really important principle, enough to say it, and we've been repeating this for the last couple of weeks. It's often the small things that no one sees that result in the big things that everyone wants. In fact, we've, we've, uh, I've shared a, a pretty well-known quote the last couple of weeks, and I'll share it with you again because about why our thoughts matter so much. Our little thoughts are just these little thoughts that we have influence the words that we speak. And the words we speak end up turning into the actions in our life. Actions turn into habits, and habits eventually turn into our destiny. 
They turn into our destiny. Small, small beginnings, they have a big impact on our life. Today, I want to talk about the power of your words. Um, there are several, several statements that you might recognize in the Bible. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh. Or, in the beginning, God said. Two different phrases from the two different beginnings of the Old Testament and the New Testament. Things that were spoken. And, and there's an interesting commentary that you may not know. A simple fact about scripture. You find this in Psalm 138 where it, 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 the, the psalm teaches us there that God actually honors his words above his name. Above his name. Did you realize it? There's something that's more important to, to God than the name of Christ. More important than that? Yeah. His word. The Bible teaches that he honors his word. It's the only thing that he honors above his name. Words are incredibly powerful and important. Solomon was talking about this, and you know me, I like Proverbs 18.21. He says this, The tongue has the power of life and death. The power of life and death. So the words that we speak can either be life-giving words, or life-taking words. We're going to talk about that a little bit today. And I want, you to, you know, I want you to realize that how important are the things we say. Because if you want to change the life that you have, I want to suggest you, you should change the words that you speak. Small things in the words we speak can make such a big difference in the life that we live. James was talking about this. Now, um, James, uh, if you didn't know this, he, the James who has a book named after him because he wrote it in the New Testament, um, he was actually... Jesus' brother, which this is a little bit of a rabbit trail, which is, I mean, some scholars believe is, that is one of the best evidences of the divinity of God, because James said so. Now, why is that evidence of his divinity? I don't know. Anybody here have a brother? If your brother was to tell you, announce to you, he was the son of God, what would it take for you to believe that? I mean, I didn't have any brothers. But if I told one of my sisters that, I don't know how I could convince them. Of course, it's not true. But, um, but I mean, it, the, the point is that he, he was absolutely convinced so much. And you can read it. It's, it's, it's all through his, his, his words. But great evidence. Um, but he, he talked about some small things that can happen to, to make a big difference. James, starting in, uh, in chapter 3, starting in verse 3, he said, We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. So a little bit can move this huge horse. A little tiny thing um, can make this big difference. Then he talks about a huge ship. He says, okay, a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. Even though culture is strong, a small rudder can turn a huge ship. He links the truth of, and, and the power of our words with the power of the tongue. And he says in verse 5, In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that can make grand speeches. In other words, you've probably seen a well-crafted and delivered speech can move crowds. You've probably seen it on TV. There's history. But the flip side is true, too. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. There's power of life and death in words. You can give, you know, use life-giving words or life-taking words. For example, if you show me a marriage, just any marriage, and it's a struggling marriage, I can pretty much promise you that there are a lot of life-taking words that are flying around. 
Just pretty much promise. Or if you find a really healthy, growing, vibrant marriage, in spite of the challenges of life, everyone who has a healthy marriage knows that, um, that, that even if it's a healthy marriage, you have things you have to work through. But in spite of those things, if it's a healthy marriage, I promise you there are life-giving words floating around in that environment. And, um, you know, it, or maybe, maybe you've got somebody, a friend or someone that you just don't like to be around them because they make you feel small or unimportant. Or you have a boss that just, you know, drives you crazy. Nobody has a boss who drives them crazy. <laughs> um, especially nobody on this church staff. <laughs> and <laughs> and um, if, if, that's, if that's true about your work environment, there's probably a lot of life-taking words or phrases that are, you know, you know. On the other hand, if you have a friend or someone that you like to be around, there's probably a lot of you know, things that are coming out that build you up. There are plenty of life-giving words. Solomon, who Scripture says was the wisest man who ever lived, many times he contrasted the difference between life-giving and life-taking words. Proverbs twelve eighteen, he says, The words of the reckless pierce like swords. I bet every one of you at some point has been pierced, pinned, by words. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. It's life-giving. Someone can just give you the right word at the right moment, and, and, and it can be like, wow, that, that's all I needed. I'm good to go. It's life-giving. And then he says also in Proverbs 15, 4, the soothing tongue is a tree of life. It's life-giving. But, on the other hand, a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. And I, I'm guessing, I don't know about you, but I, probably many of us have been crushed at some point by life-taking words. I, I, I pretty much guarantee it. I think almost everybody has at some point. And it can be as unexpected. I mean, it wasn't intentional. It just came out. Um, Lisa and I have been married about, it'll be 39 years in a couple months. And um, yeah. We actually um, were betrothed by our parents 10 years before we were born. Lisa's 29 or something like that. Okay, she's looking at me like, what do you, what, huh? What? Um, so run your clocks back about roughly 35 years because I can't pin the time down, but we were, we were it was in the 70s, late 70s, and um, we'd been married for a few years, and um, Lisa went to do what women do, and that's to have her hair done, and she gets a perm, right? And um, it was taking longer than expected, and I think I was supposed to pick her up, and I waited, 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 and I decided I should go in and check in to see if she was actually still there. And when I get in there, she's sitting in the chair. And I guess a perm can go wrong, okay? (laughs) I know now that a perm can go wrong. And so I, I came in, and she was working with a hair gal who she had never worked with before. I don't think this woman had worked with any person, any human being before. Um, But the perm had gone wrong. Now, Lisa's hair looked like she was going to start her own militant movement because she had this thing going on with her hair. And I don't, I I didn't, I would be terrible at poker because my, I don't, I mean, my face revealed everything, and I think that my, my tongue got going before my brain kicked in, which was common more then than now, but I mean, just really bad. And um, I think I said something like, did you mean to do that to your hair? 
Guys, make a note. If you don't hear anything else today, take that phrase and strike it from your lexicon. Don't ever say that. Did you mean to do that? Did you do that on purpose? I mean, are you, are you happy with that? And um, <laughs> I didn't mean to hurt her. I just was so shocked. I could have, you know, I think that she was too. And I don't think she answered. I think instead, now, of course she didn't do it. The perm had gone wrong and I was insensitive. But without saying a word, out came the tears and the sobbing in the chair and now the woman in the scene and this husband has come in to the beauty shop and all of the women, I mean, it's just this, oh. I want to go crawl into a hole right now when I think about it. And those words came out and my wife, who was already brokenhearted about what was going on with her hair because it had failed and, you know, the thing was going on. And her husband had made it exponentially worse by words. <laughs> or it can be, it can be, it wasn't inadvertent. I wasn't meaning to be mean. And people say things sometimes because we just don't think and out comes this thing. Like, you know, shouldn't you be married by this age? I've heard that. And I've watched the hearts cringe. Or how come you don't have children yet? And people who just want to encourage and we say these things and they crush. Or it can actually be something that's intentional. Mean-spirited, you know, like, I can't stand you. Or, or maybe you've heard this phrase, I found somebody else. Or, I never loved you anyway. And those words just crush and rip and pierce. Life-taking words, they pierce like a sword, they crush the spirit. On the other hand, maybe you've been blessed sometime by life-giving words, you know? I'm so proud of you. I'd marry you all over again. I would. <laughs> I've had 39 years to confirm that. I would. All over again, because you're my dream come true. Oh, listen to that. <laughs> It's true. I mean, I mean those those words. I mean, they, 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 the words that someone says that that they're not patronizing. They're genuine. They build you up. They they confirm your soul. Is Grace in the nursery? So my granddaughter and I'm just this obnoxious first time grandfather, and I can't stand it. Um, I love this little girl so much, and I said something to her, and I wanted to say it to her right now, and. I said this thing to her the other day. I said, Grace, you know, she, she's barely a year. She's a year. I think she understands a lot of what we say, but you can't really tell for sure. And so I said something to her the other day that um, her intellect might not get it, but her spirit will. But I'm going to keep at it. I'm, my goal in life is to keep saying this to her because I really believe this. I, I said to her, Grace, do you know when God was forming you in your mother's womb, you know what he did? He said, hey, angels, watch this. I'm going to show off. And then Grace, he made you. I said that to her. And she looked at me like, you know, whatever they do. <laughs> you know. But I've got a goal because I want to keep saying that to her. And I hope, I hope I make my goal. I don't know what the end point of the goal is, but I want to keep saying that to her because I really believe that it goes into her spirit. And it, it builds her. It's, they're life-giving words. And I think over time and consistency, there's going to be something in her. If you're married, you know, I encourage you to share life-giving words with your mate. And frankly, um, I think it's fine if they're romantic words. In fact, I think it's fine if they're romantic texts. In fact, I think it's fine between a husband and a wife 
I can't believe I'm saying this in church. Don't say it, huh? She's afraid to. I think it's okay for you. You should be able to say whatever you want to in a text between husband and wife if you're building each other up. You should do that occasionally. Is it okay for us to have fun in church? Yeah. Or okay to... I guess not because um, I'm in trouble later. Thank you. It's okay with you if we have fun with each other. That's fine. Okay. Anyway, so um, I was going to say the word hot text, but that could go crazy, and I don't want to say that to you, so I won't even say those words out loud in church. Last week, we did a thought audit. In, in church. <laughs> Does anybody have a shovel? I should stop digging the one that I've got going on. Last week we did a thought audit. If you were here, you know what that was. And today I want to look at the words that we speak. And uh, so I'm going to ask you to, and I'll give you instructions. You should have been given a thought audit card by now. You have one of these, right? And um, uh, I want I, I uh, to ask the basic question. I want you to ask of yourself, are you speaking more life-giving words or more life-taking words to other people? And then I want you to think about the words you speak to yourself. So let's start with other people. And you can fill this out or not. This is just for you. I'm not going to ask you to turn it in. You don't have to show it to the person next to you. And you don't get to edit the one on the person next to you either. Okay? So if you speak more life-taking words to other people, you know, you know that wasn't a very good job. Your room is always a mess. You always leave the toilet seat up. Well, maybe the dog needs the toilet seat up. I don't know. Did you cat lovers catch that I just took a, hot, a shot at dogs there? Okay, in, in fairness, the fairness doctrine. Um, you know, or, or, or do you say to people, you know, you drive me crazy. This is pathetic. You know, if you say things like that a lot, then you should be marking down in the one, two, three, four section. But maybe you speak more life-giving words to other people. You say, I'm so proud of you. You know, you're the best husband. <laughs> I thank God for you. That was an incredible pie. You know, or you're just an incredible staff member. You make a difference here at work. I'm so glad I hired you. Take a moment, just be real honest, and um, you can circle either literally or in your own mind where you think you land on that scale. Now let's talk about words to ourselves. Are they more life-taking or life-giving words? Think about your inner talk. What you say in your mind, you say, you know, life-taking words like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess this up. I'm going to blow this. I'm really not that good at this. Or, I'm, in fact, I'm always going to be bad at this. Today's going to be a tough day. I'm just not going to get through it very easy. It's not going to work out for me. I just never get the breaks. If that's you, put a lower number. If, on the other hand, you say things like, you know, this is hard, but God's with me. God's going to bless me. I'm thankful. I'm thankful. I, I'll be fine through this. I'm going to get through this okay because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Do I get ice cream for that, honey? Because I quoted her. Um, if, that's, if that's where you are, put a higher number on there. Now, if I was to ask you in the room to look at your own scores and say, do you have a tendency to speak more life-giving words to other people than you do to yourself? Pretty much... I'll bet most of us would say, yeah, I tend to be harder on myself than I am on the other people around me. Because there's, and, and, and I say to you that if that's true, there's some real room for us to, to work on this because there's power in your words. If you want to change the life that you live, change the words that you speak. Small changes in the words you speak will make a big difference in the life that you have. And our, our, our words have the power of life 
and they have the power of, de- of death. So I want to give you two quick rules, powerful rules, I think, that could, about life-giving words. And so the first one, I might sound like your mother, but that's fine because your mother was right. If you can't say something, <laughs> if you can't say something helpful, just skip it. Don't say anything at all. If you can't say something helpful, don't say anything at all. The Apostle Paul said the same thing, just like your mama did, um, a little bit differently in Ephesians 4. He said, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful. Only the kind of talk that's helpful. For building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Man, if that doesn't convict some of us, you're not listening. I mean, I'm not saying that's, that is so convicting for me. I mean, where the Lord is, is saying, hey, Terry, Sometimes I say things behind the steering wheel that are not helpful. <laughs> I mean, okay, there's a backstory there, and um, I'm working on something. I'll just tell you that much. In fact, I... <laughs> never mind, I won't go in there. I'm working on something. There's a street version of that scripture that basically says, if you can't say something helpful, shut thy trap. <laughs> thy trap zippeth. Now, don't be elbowing... Um, anybody, because if you're elbowing somebody, that really means you need to elbow yourself. Um, If you can't say something helpful, skip it. Close it. Bite your lip. Zip it. Don't say anything at all. Second rule, if you think of something good, say it. Say it. You can text it. You can phone it. You can email it. You can boil it. You can fricassee it. You can barbecue it. You can put it on a billboard. But say it. Just say it. I think that's a rule to apply and, and to live out any time you think of anything good about anyone. Say it. It, it. Whether it's to someone else or about God or about yourself or about your circumstances, give life to it by saying it. Proverbs sixteen twenty four says, Gracious words are like a honeycomb. They're sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Notice that Solomon did not say gracious thoughts are like a honeycomb. There's gracious words, not thoughts. If you have good thoughts about, about something and you just think about it, that doesn't do them any good at all. They don't know. They don't know. Guys, say them to your wife. They don't know. And if you, if you set it free with your mouth, if you say those words, you have the power of life and you give it away by saying it. I'm, I'm really, I'm thankful for memories, certain memories I have about my childhood growing up, for my parents, they were always very, very encouraging. You know, I, I, I believe that a lot of words that were spoken to me when I was in single digits, age-wise, the words that were spoken to me then are in many ways, help, they helped me do what I do today they, they, because they gave life to those things in me. I didn't just, they, they, they didn't just think, you know, Terry, we're proud of you. We believe in you. you know, okay. They actually said those kinds of things. I, I, I miss my dad, but w- one of my most profound memories is him saying to me when I was in fourth or fifth grade, repeatedly over and over again, you know, your mother and I are proud of you. Now, I know when I look back, I'm thinking, oh, man, I was being shaped like um, a nine-year-old would be shaped right? I mean, I, I was the one always pushing the limits, testing what they were, testing did they really mean that, you know, just doing those kinds of things. And they did, and they meant them. And my parents did a good balance of love along with, was a 
ruler <laughs> for me. And I mean, they did a good job of, I never questioned, although I got spankings, I never questioned that they loved me. And um, I, I, I just know that because they said that to me. And, and those little deposits of things they said when I was a little guy, I really now believe there is fruit that pops up in my life because of words they said back then. Life-giving words, and they shape, you know, they help shape who we become. So anytime, every time you think of something good to say, say it, because your words are so powerful. Send a text. Post a comment on Facebook. Pick up the phone and call them. Snail mail. Send them a a card. Remember that old-fashioned thing, uh, post office and all that? Every, tell them every single time. Don't overlook how important it is. Make it a rule. You want to change your relationship with somebody? Don't hold back blessings. When you have them, bless them. Why would you rob somebody else of a blessing? It's just, don't hold back. And not just other people, but say it to yourself as well. Don't ever hold back a blessing to yourself. You know, if you look at your word audit, many of you say some very negative things to yourself about yourself. You do. You're speaking to yourself life taking words. Stop it. (laughs) Stop it. Stop saying life-taking words to yourself. One time David, King David was, you know, the word says he was greatly distressed. What does that mean? What was the deal? Well, he takes the army off and he's doing war. And while he's gone, the bad guys come in, raid his city, pillage everything, and take all of the women and children and take off. Now he's the general of the army, right? He's leading the army. They get, the army comes back and finds this state of affairs at home. Do you suppose the army was a little upset? Their wives, their children are gone. And they look to their leader and they're mad at David. It says he was greatly distressed. They were having conversations about stoning him. (laughs) it's a bad deal greatly distressed so understates what's going on here and he you know he could have said yeah kill me just go ahead and do it now kill me now but instead he spoke life-giving words to himself first samuel 36 says this 30 verse 6 but david encouraged himself in the lord his god and every now and then i just have to preach to myself I need to tell myself, I need to say, you know, God, you're going to give me faith through this. I trust you. you I need you. Or, or God, I believe your hand is upon me. Or God, I know the scripture says that all this stuff is going to work out. Your word says that all things work together for, for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purposes. Fix it. This has got to be your deal. This is your responsibility. Help me, God. And I believe it. And every now and then, you just have to speak to yourself. You have to encourage yourself with words of affirmation, you know, things that are positive, words of life. Not just that you can do it, but that you can do it through God who's with you. Encourage yourself in the things of the Lord with what's consistent with his truth. God, I believe you want to bless my marriage. And then you say, you know, you say it, you say what you want to see, in fact. You, you say it out loud. The things you want to see, you say them out loud. I'm not saying you conjure a spell. I'm just saying, God, you're going to bless this marriage. 
Because you, you want it and you, you want to see it. You say it out loud. And Jesus, you know, there's examples. Jesus said, if you speak to the mountains, right? He said, if you speak to the mountains. He didn't say, if you talk about the mountains. He said, if you speak to the mountains. I don't know if you caught that or not, but I, that, that thing welled up in me during, you know, during worship where I, wanted to, where I wanted to pray over our children, but speak to them. I can't talk to all the kids in our community, but I was speaking to them. I don't know if they heard me over a mile that way, but I was speaking to them saying, God loves you. They didn't hear it, but their spirits heard it. I believe it. I want to see it, so I'm saying it. I want to see the kids in our community. I want this stopped. I guess I'm going on a campaign, and if you hang out here, you're going with me. Um, Ezekiel, there's a story here where God says, to Ezekiel, this wild thing. He says, prophesy to those dead bones. Speak to those dead bones. Do you realize how silly that looked? Dead bones. You know, it's like, music stand. Like, see, you're laughing at me. He says, speak to the dead bones. He didn't say, go talk about the dead bones. He said, speak to them. If you want to see it, you say it. You say, God, I believe you're going to work in my life. God, I believe you're going to, going to turn this marriage into a great friendship. God, I believe you're going to get us out of debt. And you say it. You just say it out loud. Now, I want to give you a, we're almost done. I want to give you what I'm going to call a life-changing yardstick. What's a yardstick? Well, it's a, yard, it's a way to measure. It's a way for you to test whether the words you're using are life-giving or life-taking. And if you apply this, I promise you, if you apply this, you will, you will see a difference in your life because if you want to change your world, you change your words. It'll make a, a big difference in the way you live, just a small change in the words that you speak. Every time, so here's the test. Here's the test. You tack on this phrase, and that's the way I want it. And that's the way I want it. So when you say something, you should always be able to tack on that phrase, and that's the way I want it. So for example... I'm sick of my marriage, and that's the way I want it. Okay, you see the test is working. You're going, that's absurd. You shouldn't have said that you're sick of your marriage. That's a life-taking phrase. Or you get so much on my nerves, and that's the way I want it. I want you on my nerves. No, that does not make sense. It's a great yardstick to test the words. Those are life-taking or to yourself, I'm so pathetic, I'll never make a difference, and that's the way I want it. It doesn't, it doesn't, it's a good measurement. So you attack on that phrase, and that's the way I want it. If, if instead, and you have integrity, you say, you know, my marriage is wavering, but I'm going to surrender my will to God. I'm going to love her as Christ loved the church the best way I can know how. And I believe God is going to bring healing to my marriage because that's the way I want it. See the, the difference? Those are life-giving words. And I know people in this room right now who are saying those kinds of words about their marriage. But they don't see it today. Just keep going. Keep going. You know, David's going, I know the army wants to stone me. They want to kill me now because their wives are gone. Their daughters are gone. Their sons are gone. But God's going to lead us. He's going to deliver us out of this because that's the way I want it. It would work for David. Or you say, I know we're in debt right now, but we're going to learn to live beneath our means. And 
with God's help, we're going to get out of debt. And we're not only going to be tithers, but we're going to become generous people because that's the way I want it. Thoughts matter because your thoughts become your words. Your words become your actions. Your actions become your habits. And your habits create your destiny. Small changes in the words you speak will make this huge difference. The first week, we talked about hearing one single word from God. If you were here, and I've talked to many of you, and I know you're pursuing, and some of you have heard a word from God, a single word, he'll speak it to you if you listen. If you ask, and I've heard some pretty cool words. I've heard some wonderful, life-giving words. A single word, not a phrase, not a paragraph, not a picture, and not a movie. A word. God will start right there if that's what you are ready for. And he'll direct you. He'll direct the rest of this year or who knows how long. Last week, we talked about a thought that would drive and direct your year. And this week, I want to talk to you about your words, the things that come out of your mouth. And I want to ask you to ask the Lord to give you one statement that he wants you to start saying over and over again that will drive and direct you. One small statement can make a big difference in the way you live. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, okay, one word, one thought, one statement. Can my thought be my statement? Well, the answer is, of course. But it can't stay a thought. You have to turn it into a statement. You have to start to declare it. You give life to it by declaring it. We take our life-giving thoughts and we make them life-giving words. Now, one statement, because it's the small things that no one sees that become the big things that everyone wants. If you want to change the life that you have, I just want to encourage you to change the words that you speak. The words that you speak because they're powerful. They have the power of life and death. We don't speak life-taking words to others. We speak life-giving words to others. We don't speak life-taking words to ourselves. We speak life-giving words to ourselves. And when if you think of something that's not good, You skip it. You don't say it. And when you think of something good, you say it. You text them, you tell them, right? Remember? Okay? Your mother was right. And we're going to bless other people by what we say. We're not going to let any unwholesome talk come out of our mouths, but only the things that are helpful for building other people up. That benefits the people that listen. Why? Because words matter. Our words matter. And our words need to glorify God. They need to make us more like Christ and they need to build us in the relationships around us. And that's the way I want it. And that's the way I want it. Um, We're going to pray, but I want to explain first how I'm going to pray about something. And um, I recognize most faces here. It doesn't matter whether you've been here forever or your first time. I want to give you an invitation. An invitation. I'm just going to say it bluntly. This is an invitation. If you if you don't know your eternity is secure in heaven with God, if you can't say with certainty that I know my forever is okay because I have a relationship with Jesus. I've, I, I know I need him and I've said, Lord, I need you. Would you be my God? If you've never done that, I want to give you an invitation right this moment to decide to get your life right with your creator. Scripture says that there is no other way to the Father except through Jesus. And it also says that if you call on the name of Christ, you will be saved. It's that simple. It's that simple. If you've never done that before, I invite you in the next moment to say, yes, I open my heart and make Jesus my God. Let's pray.